This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Today's guest on Pain in the Pod is Kate Casey. Kate has a hilarious podcast called Reality Life with Kate Casey. Kate is not only a mom of five, but she's a stand-up comedian with a really interesting background who currently lives in California. Kate covers every reality show that you can think of. She covers the well-known ones and then ones you've never heard of and I've never heard of. I'd say she's an encyclopedia of reality show knowledge, and her podcast is always super entertaining, even if you haven't seen the show. So, Kate, thank you so much for joining me me. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I've listened to your podcast for a long time. I think I first heard you on Heather McDonald's podcast doing a maybe like a Real Housewives recap and <laughs> found out either you had a podcast or you were launching it at that time. Uh, maybe I was just launching it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I was in from the beginning. I think I'm going to say I'm a, a gold star diehard Kate Casey podcast fan. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Tell me how you uh, first got the idea to do this podcast. So I had been writing Real Housewives recaps for a couple years. Um, Heather McDonald was a fan of my recaps. And uh, she invited me to be a guest on her podcast a couple times. And I just really enjoyed being on her show and enjoyed podcasts in general. So I came up with this idea that I loved reality television shows and I was interested in catching up with people, some people that maybe were one hit wonders on one show and no one had heard from them for, for years. And also people that had been on a really popular show, maybe that was currently filming and just kind of touch base with them and find out how reality TV had changed their life. And then I also wanted an opportunity to, Re, you know, connect with people from different walks of life, have them watch a reality show, and then talk about it. So sort so it gives everyone sort of a full circle reality TV experience. I came to understand that most people lie when they say, oh, reality TV is garbage, but then they watch The Bachelor. I hate reality TV, but then they know everything about Real Housewives. Or, gosh, my wife always watches that show, but then they have an opinion. So it was similar to what I experienced people think about celebrity tabloids like they think that you know gossip rags are garbage but then they haven't had an opinion on Angelina Jolie Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston so I just felt like it was a great connector Um, reality tv shows are a great way to start conversations with people and despite what other people think it's not you know reality tv cannot just be summed up as real housewives or the bachelor there are so many fantastic reality tv shows so it was also a great opportunity to highlight shows that may not be written about in mainstream media but uh, i believe were really high quality right now once you got this idea how long did it take for you to get it going especially cuz you have a you know a, a busy life outside of this believe it or not it wasn't that long but this was 2 years ago heather well, I don't know. I, I said to Heather, I have this great idea and I want to take it to some networks. And she said, you know, I can introduce you to the head of my network, which is Wondery, where I am now. And so I met with Hernan, who runs the network, and said, I have a great idea. And I put a proposal together. 
I think that something that may have helped, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Hernan, but I think something that may have helped with my pitch is the fact that I came with 16 years of PR experience. So I was extremely mindful of how to market and, you know, you know, market your podcast, uh, how to create relationships. So I think for them, that was helpful because they knew that they were partnering with somebody who would hustle. So I pitched it to the network and then I think it actually went to air within a month and a half, maybe. And it's the, the process is very different now. I think if you probably pitch something to a network, they would want to hear like six episodes up front. And uh, when I pitched it two years ago, I just sort of went in studio and we recorded the first one and then we put the first one up and then the second one and the third one. So obviously things have changed since then. But, you know, I I came in as somebody with PR experience and that probably helped. So do you do most of this from your house? I know sometimes you you have to go into a studio, but you have a you must have a pretty sweet uh, home studio. I don't have a home studio. I, I do lots of it at home because I have young kids. Uh, and I also live in Orange County and the studio is in LA. So for the first year I went every single Tuesday. So I would drop my kids off at school at eight o'clock and then I would draw, I would get to LA by 10 record from like 10, 15 till 12, 15, and then drive all the way back two hours to pick up my kids from school. Gosh, became really hard after a while. Um, and it's really difficult with, with booking and, you know, there were times I would drive to LA and then somebody would bail and I I would just sit and cry because I had just spent all that time in the car. Uh, so I really tried to focus more on creating, um, interview or scheduling interviews from home. So I got equipment and I do, I record through Skype and call recorder and I have a mini recorder and I work with a producer that helps me edit. Unlike a lot of podcasts, I have three segments, which is a little bit complicated, but I like to give somebody different, some, you know, a couple different elements in each show. But yeah, I schedule most of my interviews for the times where my kids are, are at school. And, you know, booking can be, you know, the booking is difficult in terms of finding people and getting them to agree to do the show. It's getting a little bit easier as time has gone on. The scheduling can be tricky, but it, it oddly the just booking the person is a little bit more is much more difficult than the actual scheduling. That's funny because a couple of different podcasters have told me the same thing. Like they get something and they're so excited and they booked it, and then they're all ready. Their their face is at the mic. They're ready to go, and the person calls and cancels. I know that. That just reminds me of 90 Day Fiance. Erin Martin was telling me that recently happened to her with Darcy. But you just interviewed Jesse from 90 Day Fiance. Now, I have to know, and this is just totally left turn from what I was trying to ask you, but how was that? Because he seems to be um, slightly delusional, I guess, is the best way to say that? No, I didn't think so. I didn't think so at all. I found him to actually to be quite gracious. And I think that uh, there is a part of him that has definitely looked at himself on TV and uh, had a little bit of self-awareness. You know, I think that that's complicated. I think I'm a little bit more, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, I've interviewed over 100 people. That's producers, reality stars, et cetera. And I, I think that it's a really bizarre experience to be on TV. I think it's really hard for them to deal with 
viewer input afterwards. And you would, it's virtually impossible for you to not come out of that experience and not take a little bit to heart. Like maybe I should change that about myself. And he did. There is a part of him that says, yeah, that said, yeah, I, I didn't intend to look that way, but I can see why someone looks at my reaction that way. But, you know, there's more to the story. You know, they're edited down. Their life's edited down to a very, you know, to 20 minutes in each episode, maybe probably for him less because there are five different moving stories in each 90 day uh, fiance story. But I think that once he explained himself and explained the dynamics of his relationship a little little bit more, I thought that he was a little bit easier to understand. You have to also have to remember that I'm not in a relationship with him. So he can't like, he wouldn't be able to steamroll me in a way that maybe is with his girlfriend. So, and I gave him a little bit of, a little bit of a hard time and he laughed about it. I gave him this absurd quiz because in the episode, he gets really mad at his girlfriend because they go to a pizza place and she folds the pizza and he says, that's not the correct etiquette. And I told him like, that's the way New Yorkers eat pizza. So, um, and then I gave him a hard time because on the show, he also uh, gave her a hard time because he lands in the States and he asked her about all these landmarks and she doesn't really know any of the specific statistics on the New York metropolitan area. So I gave him a quiz on Amsterdam where he's from and he, he was a good sport about it and he answered the questions and he was extremely gracious. And so if you're a gracious guest that puts you up a couple notches, I've had people that are just horrible garbage people. So, um, I didn't think he was actually that bad. Okay. So my follow-up question is who has been a guest that has not been so gracious. There was a guy who was on the bachelor bachelor bachelorette and he was incredibly obnoxious. He was, he treated me like he was George Clooney and I, (laughs) a regional publication. He <laughs> bragged about how, because he had been on the show and he had an MBA, which I would like to know what school he actually got his MBA from. Um, he bragged that, you know, because of he, because of being on the bachelorette that all of these producers or just producers, all of these companies had approached him about running their corporation. I'm like, my husband is the CEO of a software company. You are out of your goddamn mind. recruiter. <laughs> in this country who was watched you on the bachelorette and thought he he's a pool salesman with an MBA. He should run our corporation. So it, he was just so delusional. The worst part was he was not gracious. He never said, thank you. He never promoted the episode. You know, somebody who is totally unwilling to promote an episode deserves a spot in hell. <laughs> My producer and I have been talking about that, you know, going forward with this podcast about promoting and stuff. And, you know, I said, well, if they come on my podcast, I assume they're going to then promote it. And he, and he said, don't, he said, don't assume that. Yeah, they won't. I mean, I would say 20% of the time, my guests promote it. So the onus is really on the podcaster to do all of the work themselves. And it can be a really frustrating, very frustrating journey. And so, uh, you know, you have to always remind yourself, you know, I do like to do this. This is a joyful experience and that the people, you know, the fact that they're not promoting or the booking's really difficult or um, they're not the kind of guests that I thought that I would have. You have to just kind of, you know, work through it and remind yourself about the joy that you have doing the podcast because they were people will not help you. Well, 
That is terrible. But let me ask you this. I know you had. But I also think that other podcasters, you know, it's like this really nice community. I believe that if you promote other podcasters, you help grow the market. I know that's not a popular perspective, but I really do believe that. And I feel like I've had some great luck because I've collaborated with so many different podcasters. I think because it's like a new, my background is in PR and marketing. So I know that um, collaboration is the best way to promote. It really is. So I think that if you are willing to promote other people, that that you are rewarded handsomely. Well, I was just saying that you put on your Facebook here in the last day or two, you said, you know, hey, we should all support each other. And you have a big Facebook following and you put it out there and said, if, if you have a podcast, post it here so we can all listen. And that's, you know, that's what I'm hopefully getting around to is that I'm going to be in this podcast community where so far every person I've reached out to for the most part has said, sure, sure, I'd love to help you. Let, let me get back with you in December or something. But, you know, everyone has, for the most part, been sure, you know, let me help you. And well, the, the, uh, the thing is, is like, the great thing is your podcast is really about highlighting someone's show, which is always fantastic. For some reason, if you get into different genres, people take it personally, if you like, I don't know, they're, they're, people can be very small minded about that. Like, well, if that person's in my own space, my own genre, that then that's my competition. So you were saying that uh, some podcasters will get competitive. If you're in their same genre, they feel like, well, if you're going to talk about reality TV, and I'm going to talk about reality TV, then we certainly can't talk to each other. Because then we're, you're trying to like knock out the competition, I guess, is the idea. Yeah, it's like I think of paranoia. Well, if they listen to your show, then they're not going to listen to mine. And I just don't think that's the way that the podcast audience works. I think people are really hungry for content. And let's say you're somebody who consumes podcasts because you have a job which allows you to, I don't know, maybe you do data entry. And then therefore you are, you know, listening to podcasts all day. You know, they're going to listen to more than one. And if somebody only has time to listen to one podcast per week, it's be out of your control. Like I can't control that. If they're only going to listen to one show, I can only do put together a great show and promote it. And, you know, at some point it's sort of out of my hands. Well, do you still, in addition to the podcast, do you still write your recaps? You had, you had that website, Love and Knuckles. Well, sometimes I, I, I kind of have to pick my battles. Like where's my time? What What's worth my time? And it's interesting because I don't write them as much and then people will write me, well, where's your recap? And I, and I would say, well, you know, I write them and then four people comment and we'll say, no, no, we, we read it every, every, you know, all the recaps. Do you comment? Do you click like? Well, no. Well then, then I have no indication that, you know, it's worth my time. So it's like, it, it became more like I've got all of these things going on and I would rather spend my time putting together my episode because the episode has so many different elements that it requires a lot of TV watching and I have to write up notes about a show. Um, you know, it takes a lot of time to find the right guest to, to recap the right show, to stay on top of who is relevant. Another people, a, a thing that people will say is like, you know, I'd love it if you had this person on from like, this, you know, X, Y show about a, a, a nail salon in New Jersey. I don't know. And it's like, 
that would be a small segment, but I can't have that person as a featured guest because that's, they're not going to, they're not going to give me enough downloads. People are not going to be that interested, you know? So I do feel this pressure to have a big guest at the front of every show. And, you know, even this week it was like, it was a holiday weekend and I'm like, Oh God, I really like, I gotta pull this. And sometimes it really works where all of a sudden I'll get it a great guest at the last minute, but it's quite a bit of pressure. I went to on Saturday and there was a reality star that came in or that was in the restaurant and the waitress said, so-and-so's over there. And my husband, of course, who knows nothing about reality TV asked me who it was. And I said, well, they've got a show and I did pursue them to be a guest at one time. They didn't, they they don't live in, in, you know, Southern California. They live on the other side of the country. And so he said, well, do you want to go over there and talk to them and ask them? And I said, you know what? I don't think I have it in me tonight. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you know, I sometimes I'm like, I hit a wall where I'm like, I just can't, I can't do it. I need to like enjoy my life and have dinner with my husband. And, um, but you know, I always refer to myself as a one man band. You know, I'm doing the PR, the marketing, all myself, the booking, and it it is quite, it takes up a lot of time. Well, that leads to my next question, which is, you know, I get a little panicked when my DVR gets a little bit full. Or, for example, I was just at the beach and only got to see some shows. And I come home like, oh, I have to catch up on Real Housewives in New York or 90 Day Fiance or whatever show I happen to be watching. And I get a little, you know, nervous because then not only am I behind on the show, then I'm behind on the podcast that talk about the show. So I'm going to be behind on you or Crappens or Juicy Scoop that's going to talk about it. And I don't want to listen to my podcast till I watch the show. So... How do you have time to watch a lot of these shows sort of in real time? Because you're going to talk about them that same week. So it's probably very hard for you if you get behind. It's not as hard as you think. I mean, I don't have the kind of life where I'm going to events and charity balls and stuff. I'm really somebody who is at home quite a bit because I have young kids. So um, to answer your question, I work out every day. I have never had a cup of coffee in my life because I think the smell is atrocious. So I need a way to stay, stay awake. And for me, working out helps me stay awake. So I work out every day. And while I'm working out, I have in my garage, I have a bunch of equipment. I have a TV in there and I watch TV shows while I work out. So that's one spot. And I speed watch it. You know, you fast forward through the commercials and you know, the shows aren't that long when you factor in taking the commercials out. Um, and then I watch shows late, like, like at night after I put my kids to bed. And are there any shows, any shows that your husband watches with you or it's like my house and it's like, um, in North versus South, one person goes one way, one person goes the other. Yeah, pretty much. My husband loves tennis. He watches tennis when I, like there's tennis on in our house all the time. And he watches war movies and shows about like history or like war history or um, he liked billions um, he, or ballers. He loves that show ballers. So we, we watch different things. He, he doesn't understand reality TV has no interest in it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get it at all. Um, which is kind of nice because <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of nice to just to have something different. I don't know. I, it's kind of like, my own special thing. I, I don't know. I, I I don't mind it so much. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, walk through the room and insult your television like my husband does. <laughs> no, but, but um, 
he gets really excited if I laugh at something that he says. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's, he gets a little spring in his step. So if he, if I'm watching The Bachelor or something and he walks through and he makes a comment and I laugh, I think it makes him so happy. And he does say things that are really, really funny. He's got a great sense of humor. But I mean, just to just to like to give you background, my husband owns a software company, works seven days a week, and just works all the time. So um, he just doesn't have a lot of time for TV. Even if he did enjoy a show, it like I just don't see him sitting down with me. I don't know. Well, my husband's a little bit the same. He will go to his you know area and they'll watch. He and my son will watch sports, or if Mash is on, he'll watch that. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't with the laugh track on Mash. It drives me crazy. And he yeah. likes, you know, Deadliest Catch. Now he says, you know, that's or or Wicked Tuna or tuna of the outer banks or i'm like you're not even a fisherman why do you watch all these shows about fishing I, but he says those aren't really like reality shows like the shows i watch that are that are stupid and that those are smart shows and i'm like well it's really all the same it's just following these people's lives you know right there's a reality show for every kind of person yeah you have said before and i think it's pretty interesting that you feel like watching these shows is like a sociological experiment you know yeah, it's true. You can really, you can really learn a lot about people. And on that note, do you think that a lot of people go on these reality shows, like we're seeing right now from Gina and OC, and they go on it beforehand, saying like, "Okay, I don't like my husband. I'm going to get divorced. So this is going to launch me," like Kelsey Grammer tried to do to Camille. But or do you think that if your marriage is terrible, it's just going to be more terrible if you're going to put it on TV? I just think that a lot of people are, um, think of the short term. I read this great article by Jack Welsh's wife, Susie, many, many years ago. And I believe her, I believe the way she framed it was you have to think of things in a five, 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 like how will this affect me five minutes, five hours, five days, five months, five years from now. And I think most people think in terms of how will this affect me five hours from now and not five days or five weeks or five months. I think, you know, there's a, there's a pursuit for people of a certain age, like maybe you're, you know, 30 years old and, you know, you're a mom and, you know, you, you, maybe you had a career before or maybe you didn't and you kind of are a little bit bored and you see people on social media with big followings and you think I'd like, you know, a little bit of piece of that. So they, you know, pursue the casting department or maybe the casting department contacts them because they're friend of a friend. And I think they just think more of the short term, like, well, this will be really a fun experience. I'll get to go and watch what happens live. I'll, you know, I'll be on Access Hollywood and maybe I'll get a couple free clothes. And they sit down with their family and they'll say, it's just going to be fun. I'm just going to do it for a year. And and then next thing you know, they're filming. And then they realize this is opening huge wounds in myself and, in, you know, problems in my marriage. And, and maybe I, there, there's this aspect of me that they're showing on TV that I didn't realize about myself. And this is quite painful. And then I think other people are like, all right, well, I looked like a, a shit show the first season. So maybe if I go back another season, I can rehabilitate my image and be you know more mindful of the things I say. And then after season two, they're like, well, I should go a third season because the third season is when I really get paid some money. 
So the next thing you know, that's a third season. And then the third season comes and they're like, well, I can't give this up now because I've got this big salary. And if I don't do this, you know, we're dependent on this money now, or maybe I'm a single parent now and I really need it. So I think that's kind of the way it all goes. I think it kind of spins out of control. And then the next thing they know, it's like three years in and you're like, well, I'm this TV personality now. And and if I'm not on the show, who am I? And will people care about me because my husband doesn't care about me anymore? And the friends that I had before don't like me because I've turned into a different person. So my only real friends are the fans that I have. So I can't get off TV. So I think it's kind of like a crazy train. And you have to be somebody who's really emotionally strong and, and really grounded to navigate the murky waters of reality TV. It's possible to do it. But I, I don't think a lot of people have the wherewithal to do it. Wow, that was uh, that was that was great. That was exa- that's exactly how it goes. I'm thinking about specifically like Carol Radswell, and of course she's you know was known before for being a writer. I loved her book What Remains, and I mean she was on Oprah, and she's had quite a life. And then she comes on this show, and I think that she's always sort of been sort of a sleeper character and that she didn't cost too much. She was just sort of there, sort of like Tinsley as like a placeholder. And then here, you know, coming out at the end with this thing with Bethany, she just got over it with the friendship and really sort of not necessarily found her voice. I hate that phrase, but more like showed what she had. Like, look, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm just going to, you know, speak firmly. And of course, it didn't go well. But I think about her like, when she first was on, she said, yeah, you know, I was talking to Andy at a party and he was saying something about the countess. And I said, well, you know, I'm really a princess. And he was intrigued. And then he asked me to come on. So, you know, I think about her. I think about her trying to go back to her regular life where she's not on Instagram every five minutes in her underwear and stuff. You know, it's it, I think it definitely changed her. Now, now, Bethany has no leg to stand on to talk about people you know, being on Instagram or, you know, whatever. But I do think that that's a good example of somebody that has sort of changed, not necessarily marriage wise, but as a person. Well, I also, you know, I think, first of all, I think that these shows are are really complicated and the relationships on them. So I think a lot of the arguments that you see on TV are actually based in arguments that happen offline or they have to do with like appearance fees or salary or things that are tied up to the show that would break the fourth wall. So there's an element of arguments that you don't really understand or don't really get to the bottom of. But I also think that, you know, Bethany, as much as she frustrates people, she's quite smart. I think it's, if you're going to be on a show, you need to be getting something out of it. And she's been able to grow her business exponentially. And that, for those women that are on a housewives and they don't have something outside of just being, you know, a TV personality that they kind of drill themselves a hole into the ground. So, um, I guess my advice, if somebody is seeking an opportunity on reality television, they really need to map out what, what the opportunity looks like for them in over a five year process. And, you know, you, when these contracts, a lot of them that you sign, it says, I reserve the right to allow a reality TV producer to edit my persona, basically. So if you don't have something that you're promoting, you're basically just setting yourself up to be ripped to shreds. 
you know, you have to kind of have some control. And um, I think the pursuit of fame is a drug. And that it, that's a little bit more alluring to people than than anything. And so it's it can be very dangerous. Yeah, I agree. I, yes, I agree. And you see that a lot with all the Instagram models and the YouTube stars and the my kids will tell me, oh, this person's having a beef with this person. It's a Instagram person who does makeup tutorials. And I'm, you know, I'm practically 50 years old. I'm like, what are you even talking about? Not that that's any better or any worse. Instagram's going to be changing. I think that you're going to see a change where it's going to be people are hungry for less filtered people and lives and more authenticity. And I think that you'll see that trickle into reality television where there'll be less interest in people who have um, perfect filtered lives and more shows about people who live more, you know, who are a little bit more authentic. So I think tides tides are turning a little bit. Um, Okay, take a little bit of a turn here. I wanted to talk about something else you do in your podcast, which is when you have a person who's never seen a show review a show, which I think is genius and hilarious. And recently you had Ronnie from Watch What Crappens On to review 90 Day Fiance, which between you and Aaron Martin is the reason I started watching 90 Day Fiance. (laughs) And oh my gosh, I mean, I, it was sitting on my DVR for two days. I couldn't get to it till last night. And people were coming in the room. I'm like, shh, this is important. Um, but when Ronnie came in to talk about it, I was like, I know he has to watch for his job so many shows. I was like, but I hope you've made him a convert because that was that was pure comedy gold. I mean, that was hilarious listening to you two talk about that. Yeah, I'm actually today I'm doing an episode where I'm having Danny Pellegrino watch it. Oh, That'll be great. Yeah, I, I, I love doing that. Um, How do you pick the people to to review these random shows? I don't know. I kind of get them here or there, recommendations for people. But I, I have, you know, it has to be somebody who has the right kind of – I try to get people that are funny and open. And sometimes it's a real um, – you know, if I get somebody who's a snooze, I just don't even use it. Oh, I have to be honest with somebody like it, you know, it's just not, it, it doesn't fit with the the style of the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I don't know. It's, I, I wish I had an easy answer for that. It's really hard. I, I just try, I'm just trying to make it work week to week. I don't know. I, I can't. And plus the, my, the theme of my show is so uh, timely. I can't really go too far into the future in my booking. And right. that's for a guest or for a featured guest. Um, Okay, now I'm going to give you some rapid-fire questions. Uh, what was the first reality show you ever watched? Um, I'm not sure the first one I watched, but I think the first one that I thought I, I can't get enough of this was the first season of The Real World. Same, same. I was talking to Aaron Martin about that, and I was, you know, I was like, you know, Andre and Norm and Becky and Kevin, and then we couldn't remember um, – he- Julie and then Heather B. I think it was Becky that we couldn't remember. She was sort of like the, um, like. It's like a hippie. Yeah, like kind of bohemian, what we would call now a hipster, I guess. Okay, and so what do you think, in your opinion, is the worst reality show ever made? Um, Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire, probably. That was pretty gross. Did you have that girl on your show, Conger, Dana Conger? Darva Conger? No. Darva. Mm-mm. 
Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be a dream guest? So what do you think is the best reality show ever made? Um, kind of, I change my opinion kind of all the time, but my favorites are, I love the Joe Schmo show. I loved, um, my big fat obnoxious fiance. I love obviously the real world. Um, the early seasons are my favorites. Uh, I just watched born this way. I think that's really great television. I don't know. There's so many, it kind of changes all the time. And if you had to be on a reality show, which one would you be on? If you could choose. Um, it would be my own show. Oh. Yeah. Well, I think that would be a pretty good one because your life is pretty exciting, it seems. Um, now, tell me, this is what we're doing at the end of every podcast. I'm asking the podcasters what podcast they listen to to give my listeners maybe something, a new suggestion. One of the podcasts that I really like to listen to is How to Be Amazing with Michael Ian Black. And he does great interviews with people about their careers and how how they're really great at what they do. So I love that. And I also, I'm a big fan of Lance Armstrong's podcast, The Forward. And I, I recommend the interview he did with Chris Evert and the one he did with Rahm Emanuel. They were two of my favorites. Okay, I'm writing all this down. It's always surprises me what people listen to because, you know, you would think people would go with the, the usuals. But I, I, this has been such a learning experience. I've learned about so many new podcasts. I do listen to a lot of political ones too, um, but I try to keep my – try not to talk about politics in my on my show or in my group, although I'm – that's a part of my life that's – you know, a big, you know, a big part of my life is my love for politics. I'm yeah, like a, you, you worked here in D.C., right? Yeah, I'm like a political news junkie, but I don't know. I kind of feel like my show is people is, is an escape for people. Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, what's happening in our politics is like a reality show. It's oh, for sure. <laughs> pretty entertaining. So we're going to wind down on that note. But tell me where not tell me because I know where, but tell my listeners where they can find you on all the platforms and your website and all your funny Instagram things and all that stuff. Sure. My website is loveandknuckles.com. You can find my podcast, Reality Life with Kate Casey, wherever you find podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. My Twitter is at Kate Casey and I am always on Twitter talking about reality shows, looking for guest suggestions, etc. My Facebook group is Reality Life with Kate Casey, and it's a ton of really smart, oddly kind uh, people who like to deep dive reality shows. And um, my Instagram is at KateKCCA, and that's uh, a place where I like to do celebrity impression or uh, impersonations, their outfits. And it's kind of like a peek into my life. Yes, it, and your beautiful uh, family. They're, your children are just so cute. I feel like, and sometimes in podcast interviews, I'm like, I wonder if people expect me to be like, you know, funnier. But some, when I go talk about reality TV, sometimes I get very cerebral. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why we like you. We like your uh, we like your dry wit and your ability to make this. Some shows that are crazy seem like, like you've said, it's more of like a study of. Um, of human behavior, I guess, right? I do. I, well, I think the the thing that I always tell my children is the most important thing that to, for me to teach them and for them to value is the is to be curious, curious about people, and yes. to ask lots of questions. 
And I feel like the more you ask questions of people, the more you learn about them. And so I love a reality television show because it peels back the layers of someone's life. And the more you learn about them, the more you understand yourself and about, you know, about someone outside of, you know, your inner circle. And it, it, it helps shape your perspective of the world around you. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been really cool. Okay. I appreciate you so much for Thank being you. encouraging about my podcast and also appearing as a guest in my first season of my podcast. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Okay.